Thanks for tuning in again to Organic Matters. We're getting more and more, we use the word hits, I guess there's a better word, on the various podcasts. One of my podcasts last week got another 750, 800 hits, but I got, I think, eight or 10 out there. So it's starting to add up, and it's kind of fun. So any particular subjects you want me to talk about. It's supposed to be a gardening show, and I do gardening each week, but this time of year, uh, it's, you know, we've hopefully got your fall gardens either coming or going, and I've mentioned cover crops and a lot of things, so we'll keep talking about that at least one quarter of the show. But I also have found that over 20 years that the people that listen to the kind of organic gardening that I do also are interested in, hey, what's going on with the weather? What is happening with climate change? Let's call it that instead of global warming because it's not always warming. Look at the front on the Pacific coast this week and you'll find out it's the lowest low that they've ever recorded there since we've been recording. And now a very similar situation went on on the east coast. So we're back to... Realize, folks, the weather is changing. What's going to happen is it's going to be more dramatic. I can't give you dryers are going to be dry. Wetters are going to be wet. Extremes are going to be greater. And as the temp slowly increases, and it's going to continue, even if we could do everything we were supposed to do tomorrow, we've already put a a movement in place that's going to take a decade or two to level out, probably really more than that. I'm sort of in my seventh decade, so this is not for me. This is for my kids, and now I will soon have grandkids that will have grandkids. And they're the ones that we're supposed to do this in consideration of them. And a lot of people just don't either see it or don't care. So anyway, that brings me to the subject for the week. Last week, I did a big thing on electrifying automobiles. And by a total coincidence, the Hertz rental car company just bought 100000 or committed for them, they can't have them all built yet, Teslas for their fleet. And they went on to propose the amount of millions of pounds of CO2 that those cars are going to save for the, for the environment over the lifetime of them leasing those cars out. So I'm going to go back, only this time I'm going to tie a little bit into our homes, not just our cars. We need to start considering just how we run the electricity from the now what we hope are going to be environmentally cleaner sources to our homes. Electric cars are certainly going in the right direction, but the key to shifting away from real fossil fuels for consumers is to begin replacing their home appliances, heating systems, I'm working on it, and cars, which I already mentioned, with electric versions powered, of course, by clean electricity. It's not going to do us all the world's good if all we're going to do is change it over in our house and then continue burning dirty coal. The challenges are really kind of daunting, but the politics will change when the economic benefits are widely felt and the guys with deep pockets that want to don't care what we do to the environment, but if it'll make them more money, follow the money, folks. That's when it'll really begin to happen. In my opinion... For too long, the climate solution conversation has been dominated by the supply side view of the energy system. What will replace coal plants? Will natural gas, I hope, just will natural gas, I hope and do think, will be a bridge fuel till eventually things like hydrogen power? Is it going to come online as a true industry source? 
There are all these important questions, but critically, they miss half the equation. We must bring the demand side of our energy system to the heart of the climate debate. The demand side is where humans, households, and voters actually live. It is where we use machines on a daily basis and where the choices about what kind of machines we use, whether powered by fossil fuels or electricity, make our climate actions and climate solutions personal. At this point in history, we don't really have a lot of choice on the supply side, but we have all of the choice on the demand side. For the most part, we decide what we drive, how we heat our water, what heats our homes, what cooks our food, what dries out our laundry, and even what cuts your grass. How's it done? This constitutes our personal infrastructure, and it is swapping out that infrastructure that will be a key driver to the global transition from fossil fuels as we know them now to the future of green energy. Let me give you a little food for thought here. If we redraw our emissions map around the activities of our own households, we see that about 42% stem from the decisions that we personally make around our kitchen tables. It gets close to 65% if we include the offices we work at, the buildings we're in, and the vehicles that are connected to the commercial sector and the decisions we make from our homes and in many people's cases from their office desk. We must supply new electric machines on the demand side with clean generated electricity on the supply side. To kind of finish this thought and then I'll move on, I, want to, I always have a tendency to beat things to death a little bit. The supply side climate challenge is actually a question of a relatively small number of giant machines. That includes in coal mines, pipelines, refineries, natural gas, and of course, coal-fired power plants, all of which are in general owned by corporations. On the demand side, climate challenge involves a very large number of relatively little small machines. In the United States, for instance, it's our 280 million cars and trucks, our over 70 million fossil-fueled furnaces, 60 million fossil-fueled water heaters, another 20 million gas dryers, and about 50 million gas stoves, ovens, and some sort of cooktop. The traditional storyline of what I'm trying to say here, okay, is in our own lives, efficiency-first narrative really hasn't hasn't been practiced yet. It's the coming thing we need to all think about. I kind of came along in my formative years in the 70s. During that time, we needed to adjust to a reduction in foreign fuel supplies, which led to more efficient cars with better gas mileage and more efficient appliances. That gave us efficiency as a policy, such as federally mandated vehicle fuel standards, which we just increased, thank goodness, and led to what, for instance, my daughter just bought an induction cooktop. Energy Star efficient appliances are more important than ever. And we did our best back then, but now we're facing a completely different kind of energy crisis. To address global warming in time to keep the earth at least livable, we need to get to zero emissions 
ASAP, folks, as fast as possible. It should be obvious that we can't efficiency our way to zero and that we need to transform our way to no emissions. Starting on the demand side, this leads to a clear conclusion. We must electrify everything and as quickly as possible. And that means we must supply all those new electric machines on the demand side with cleanly generated electricity from what will become our supply side at this point, at least into the foreseeable future. There may be other things down the road, hydrogen power and things that we're just learning about. But for now, it's the windmills and the solar power and the hydropower and the, and the efficient way that we can make electricity that we already know is first renewable and second, basically zero emission power sources for all of our needs. So for logic, let's talk about how quickly. At roughly the rate at which we replace these items, cars often last around 20 years, water heaters 12 or 14, furnaces and home heating solutions maybe as long as 20, kitchen laundry appliances at the most 10 to 15 years. So for efficiency, the best climate outcome we can achieve is to upgrade all of these demand side machines to higher performing electric machines at their next retirement. I'm not expecting everybody to go throw everything away and just start over. That's not efficiency either. This needs to be in combination with increasing the electrical supply to power these machines and to do so definitely with clean renewables while also retiring coal plants and other heavy emitters as far ahead of schedule as we possibly can. Here, let me throw a couple quotes in I've come across and either altered or quoted. In the long run, electrifying our lives will save everybody a lot of money, especially on energy bills. It looks like about up to $2,500 per household per year. Not to mention, mass electrification starting right now here in the United States alone it would create up to and at least 25 million new jobs. And that's across every zip code in this nation. It's not going to leave park people out because they're in a better area or not. It, it, it's got to be universal. So just think about it. The electrifying everything drive will need the type of focus that we had, the U.S. had, uh, say during World War II, when the Wartime Production Board prioritized Liberty ships, Liberator bombers, jeeps, and munitions. This time around, it'll be batteries instead of bullets, wind turbines instead of aircraft, and electric vehicles instead of the tanks we had to build. Once we make the trade to clean energy, we will find that we'll be able to enjoy all the comforts of home we are used to now. Warmth and cooling, zippy little cars, <laughs> zippier than you think, hot water, radiant heat, whatever but with much lower cost and certainly with much less effect on our environment. This is a critical moment and we keep pushing it back. But is it kicking the can down the road? But it can also be a great one for our economy, for our families and the environment if we just do it now and we take smart action. We have one last chance to address the climate change and we know what it is, folks. Give us a chance 
for the time being in the near foreseeable future for at least our kids and their kids, we need to electrify everything we can. To close up, it sort of puts the ball in every family's court. We're back to me telling everybody every week to put one more LED light bulb in. Well, when the time comes, we just put in a brand new induction stove. The savings are tremendous when you use it, extremely efficient. And as, as our water heater goes out, we'll go to electric from gas. And, and as each of us do that, it will certainly make a difference in a big, big way. It's a lot of little things done by a heck of a lot of people that's going to really make the difference in the electrification of not just our nation, but the whole world.